Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, over the garden wall. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are talking about Over the Garden Wall, uh, episodes 8, 9, and 10, which are uh, Babes in the Wood, Into the Unknown, and The Unknown. So again, so much to talk about. Uh I was, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of this series. I've talked about that plenty, uh, but every time you watch it, it can feel a little different because there's so much, you know, texture. There's so, so many layers of things to experience with this. So, you know, as you watch it, you know, especially over, you know, multiple years, you'll notice different things each time. What I noticed this time was that my emotions were not ready for these episodes. As I texted you guys, I was just watching it. Uh, like, you know, in 2020, how many of us have been worked? Like lashing out at someone who doesn't deserve it because you're so upset and feel like broken because of yourself, your own failings, but also the world. And then how, how many of us have also felt like Greg, you know, going, oh, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do then. Okay, so all we need to do is just the phone bank, and then it'll be fine. And then, <laughs> like, just like all of these, like, oh, my God, it was it was a lot. It, it was a lot for me, uh, but of course I still loved it. I'm curious, Allison, how you felt about these episodes, what your experience was, and if, you know, an important question, did Jason Funderburker live up to the hype? <laughs> um, well, I, I feel like if if we're going to get a win in this, our year of 2020, uh, it should be the revelation that uh, that Jason Thunderburger Funderburger? Funderburger. Funderburger. Um, I think it's like Funderburger. He can stop holding. Something yeah. like that. Burger? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. He can, stop, uh, he can stop holding my hand now. Um, <laughs> I was, that was great. That made me feel 10 feet tall. Um, what a wonderful reveal and sort of um, uh, sleight of hand, uh, particularly when we, we keep seeing, I keep in the, in that episode in into the unknown, I feel like they keep showing you dudes that you assume are Jason Funderburker. Um, and so the actual revelation of who he is and what his whole deal is, is just, it's great. Uh, and, and the young man cannot tell a scary story. So <laughs> <laughs> really, I criticize his technique. Um, I was also, pretty emotionally affected by these episodes. I'm not sure, in fact, how articulate I'm going to be about it today. I'm sort of still processing. Um, but I do feel like I should get a call dish since the North Wind was obviously supposed to be Tom Waits. <laughs> um, like, I know he wasn't in it, but as it was happening, I was like, oh, this, this is this is a Tom Waits song. <laughs> cool. Let's do this. Um it was wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say for okay. now. Okay. Noel. Uh, well, Marcus says Jason Funderburger has the honor of being the final name for the frog. Yes, very important. For me, like one of the most mm-hmm. important things in this whole series is the very end when Jason, when, when Greg shakes Jason Funderburger and he glow and he glows. And I'm like, yes, that's what I needed. All of this happened. It wasn't a dream, no matter how many Wizard of Oz references they're making at the end there. And I don't care. And I'm doing just fine, everyone. Uh, Noel, how were these episodes for you? Yeah, I think that, again, like you were saying, Kate, that whole 
hitting it hits different notes in 2020 like that degree of despair that Wirt feels that results in him almost becoming one of those trees is really it's difficult to watch and like the full blown into winter scene just makes it all the worse um and everything that happens to him as well throughout that process of almost drowning and then waking up in a bluebird nest Mm-hmm. And then needing to eat some dirt. He'll feel better if he eats some dirt. Um, yeah, it's just hard not to, like, really feel that as, like, a state of being. Um, which, normally, it's much easier to sort of, in the past, just go, yeah, no, I I feel that in kind of an abstract sense where I've been there in that kind of a sense. As opposed to this year where it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do just kind of want someone to pile leaves on me and then just let roots grow over me so that I can then be chopped up and turned into oil f- to keep a lantern blowing that is keeping alive a scary demon made of screaming faces, which everyone, in case you missed that, because it's very quick, you can just click on that link to get a full-blown view of the beast. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It's... <laughs> Listeners, you can't hear it, but Allison just had a hell of a reaction. <laughs> you doing okay over there? It's like a it's like a frame, two frames, and then it's just gone. But I mean, it's 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 Ooh. it's a lot. It's legitimately unsettling. Um, yeah, I like. I feel like you've got to. I've got to make sure that I'm using the term nightmare fuel carefully. From yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it just it hit really hard, but it also like. What also hit really hard, aside from, like, Wurt's whole, like, depression, was also his... Was also that flashback. And that kind of, like... Not even the explanation of how they got here, but just that sense of, oh, right, Halloween. Oh, Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. And getting depressed by that um, was also something I really experienced, even though, like, I haven't gone trick-or-treating in years, and we never have kids come. But it was just like, oh, right, Halloween's canceled oh that sucks hey we're doing stuff the current plan is to like tape or hot glue can't like fun size candy bars to like bamboo like skewers for kebabs Mm -hmm. and stick them in the front yard so that kids can like come take them i don't know it's it's a work in progress but like that's very cute. We couldn't do that here, but I thought about maybe leaving out a basket of candy for like postal workers and FedEx mm-hmm. guys, because obviously they are trick or treating, and that they are going house to house. Um, I guess it's more pausing. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed at Keenan's comment. Yeah, Keenan says a lawyer in the, at the office is creating a PVC pipe candy shoot to basically launch candy <laughs> at kids from the porch. My brother has done this as well. It, his is a uh, cardboard tubes but yeah he's very excited that he's i was like how are they gonna know that you have candy they'll just be like what's that weird tube thing like you gotta put up a sign right you gotta like but yes i any of these attempts to try to have some halloween for the kids who may be around where you're at is is lovely and you know we'll all need to report back on how it goes because hopefully it goes well but yeah the the mundanity of their halloween like trick-or-treating after everything else and like compared to that sense of normalcy that wouldn't we all love right now yeah. yeah, it hits um, different. My other thing that I really, real quick want to ask Allison is, did you clock that it was an elephant costume this whole time? 
What a, I mean, that that's got to go up there with I see dead people and the great reveals of film and television history. He even rides an elephant in Babes in the Woods so that you get it. <laughs> so it very, very charming. Um, I love it. Well, let's talk a bit about about the the, the beast and the the climax of everything. We need to talk about you know Noel's excellent Zoom name, poetry, and clarinet because it's very very good. But um, but the like. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. The the Beast's song, which is just just so great and terrifying and everything. Uh, and the cli- climax of how that has all worked. Like, I, I was going to try to grab, a, get a picture of the Beast to be one of these, like, the picture for the post. But you can't. Because you can't actually see it well enough in any of the, um, like, the outline. It, I mean, it's so visually striking. Uh, for the Hannibal fans out there, of course, consider that connection as well. But um, but it's still so potent, just those eyes. Um, and, and having it all come down to where just in pure, petty, high, high school student mode, we're like, wait, wait, that's dumb. No, <laughs> that's, that's dumb. I'm not going to do that. You, you do that. I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, it's, it's I really love it. Allison, how did all that hit for you? Great. Um, you know, I've enjoyed over the last two days that we've been talking it, sort of talking about it, sort of turning over a lot of these uh, like classic um, fairy telling tropes, fairy telling fairy tale jo- tropes, and um, the sort of fundamental building blocks of storytelling, which sometimes are here just sort of classically presented, and sometimes are subverted a little. And this seems like one of those indications. You don't have to take the bargain. <laughs> There's no, there is an assumption of power uh, that you don't need to make. You don't have to agree to the, what, what's presented to you as the status quo, particularly not when you're powered by dream logic. Um, So it was just, it was really wonderful and um, sort of liberating and thrilling. That was my 2020 moment Mm -hmm. as I was like, oh, I reject the premise of the question. Um, great. Good for you, Wirt. Um, why don't we reject the premise of the question? Um, pick a question. How many Supreme Court justices are there? I reject the premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to reject so many premises. I just reject the premise. Um, which, while I'm thinking of it, uh, if any of you listen to Streaming in Place and do not listen to the Televerse, Kate Knoll had an incredible, wonderful, um, thrilling for me personally conversation about what the Constitution means to me on the last episode of the Televerse, and you should listen to it i loved listening to them talk about this thing that i love so much and and what the constitution means to me is all about potentially rejecting the premise of the question so um so that so that's my advice anyway um that piece of it i think is the the part that i'm sort of reflecting on the most and turning around and turning over in my mind um because it just makes it a story about I mean, a lot of things, but one of them is about empowerment and um, agency, and that obviously is really attractive to me right now. And I think that that is true of a lot of the characters, not just of Wirt. Um, I think there are some parallels with what goes on with Greg and Babes in the Wood. Um, But yeah, a very potent, emotionally resonant conclusion for me. And then that montage, Jesus Christ, nuclear strength. Yeah, 
the your point about agency was exactly what I was thinking about. Um, you literally read my mind, and I'm I'm weirded out that you've got some sort of like probe in my head now, because um, <laughs> you basically just said what I was about to say it was like Wirt gets to exercise agency in a fairy tale when most of the time that's the exact opposite of what happens in fairy tales, um, mainly because he comes from this place that is not a fairy tale. <laughs> Um, and he recognizes that these rules do not apply. Um, and that there's always some weird catch with those rules as well. It's not necessarily like genre savviness in the way that we think about it, but it's still a little like low grade version of that, of realizing, wait, hang on. That's that I've always looked at people in fairy tales who do this kind of shit and go, that's a bad idea. And then just realizing it and going, wait, no, none of this makes any sense. Like, literally none of it makes any sense. And that realization, I think, is really great. But it's also really heartbreaking to also watch the woodsman kind of come to that realization as well. Um, And thinking about all the years he's probably spent doing this and trading the lives of um, children as if they were tokens, to quote him um, from an earlier episode. And just, like, that weight and that realization of him not being able to reject the premise and then remembering everything. It's just, it's rough watching that. And Christopher Lloyd's vocal performance in those last couple of moments are just gut-wrenchingly good. Um, so, yeah, everything Allison just said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really love that point because I feel like there is a sort of close cousin to the way that this ends, which is when... You accept the premise of the question, but invert it mm-hmm. or like find a loophole the, we see like the trickster yes. outsmart, you know, like all the time. But that is not what this yep. is. It's just really similar. It's like instead of, oh, well, I outsmarted you because you said walk through door A or door B and I went through the window. It's you said walk through door A or door B and I don't have to listen to you. I don't know who you are. Why would I even compare? Like, why would I even consider either yeah. door? Captain Marvel. Totally, totally. Um, It's an oddly thrilling sort of nope, I guess. I love that point. As you're watching it and you realize, I'm curious how you guys read this, because previously I had always assumed when we get our montage at the end and the woodsman, uh, his daughter comes out, um, that that the interpretation is supposed to be that um, because the beast is destroyed, everyone has been released and freed and returned. But this time watching it, I was like, wait, may- why would it be that? What if she was never dead? What if she was never gone? And she's been wondering where her father is this whole time. And that's why she's crying. I think that makes more sense. And you then you realize, oh, no, the whole thing, like, the beast has managed to convince, to shape and mold the woodsman through his, you know, his power and playing on the woodsman's fears to do his work for him so that he can go and terrorize Greg and Wirt and like, you know, drain them of any hope from afar to get more treat. Like, and so he, he lost his lantern, but in the meantime, he's like, well, if you're going to do my work for me, great. I'm going to go over here and keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And so in, in though the woodsman is, like desperately trying to fight and, you know, fight off and, you know, attack the beast. He's just by accepting the premise, he's just feeding into this narrative that will only empower the beast. And I wonder if we can draw any political parallels to that in the country right now. 
<sighs> I feel like you could you could just like grab in the air and find a parallel. Like we were probably all thinking of different yeah. parallels right now because I was like, the beast is capitalism. But like the beast could be any number of things where you take the people who are um, not in a position of power and trick them into thinking that what they're doing is helping themselves and doing something that will benefit them when really they're just making everything worse for themselves uh, because the system is inherently flawed and the people with power only look to accrue more and retain well, and it. The woodsman is just so terrified of being alone and loneliness. And we've seen yeah. throughout the, the the different episodes this theme of, you know, like in Mad Love, you know, Quincy's been alone for too long. Beatrice can't go home because of something she's done. Like these, di- like what happens to people when they're alone and what they're afraid of facing what they fear has happened as opposed to, uh, you know, embracing that reality and in this case blowing out the lantern um so yeah it's i love this show (laughs) which leads me to ask like a non-serious question of based on the montage at the end do we assume that marguerite killed endicott and that's why she's staring longingly at (laughs) has she gone mad um i think they're doing like in my head they're together but they like are together in their own mansions in a very like um like Helena Bonham Carter, uh, kind of, and uh, why is his name escaping me? Burton. Burton, kind of way. They have their own homes, and they like meet up to to have some tea. But they they're very used to being alone, so probably sure, they still that makes want sense. Some space. Attracts. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but we're gonna go with it. <laughs> oh, Keenan says, I assume the mansions were so big if uh, if they were at opposite ends, they were basically across state lines, and it would take a, a while to get back to each other. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, I looked at some trivia and apparently Endicott's grave is seen in the graveyard in Into the Unknown. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah. You watched this show? Yeah. No, I haven't, actually. I'm just basing <laughs> all of this on the Wikipedia summaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you kind of could. There's a lot there. Um, yeah. It's funny because I'm basing all of this off of my Etsy. <laughs> Which I didn't realize this whole time I've been assuming that Etsy was just a marketplace for people who like to make cute things. And really, it's the over the garden wall industrial complex. Um, and I just didn't yeah. know. So I'm really, I'm learning so There's much. There's a lot. Um, There's a lot. Do we... And I want all of it. All of it. I want all like, of the it. Reveal, like, the first time I watched it, the reveal in episode nine that they're like, I don't know, in the 80s or something? uh time frame wise and it's got to be later than that because she does not have a tape player yeah but does she not have a tape player because because the tapes are passe or because she just doesn't have a tape player oh no oh, i 100 percent assumed that he made her a mixtape when all when jason funderburker was making her mix yeah, cd absolutely yeah like 100 percent. he's just he's like our little precious vintagey hipster boy he put par- he, he just... put poetry on a cl- and clarinet on a on a mixtape kate this okay. is definitely the at the very least the late 90s early aughts <laughs> oh for sure he works at family video and he gets paid really people much. should have cell phones like, though if that was 100%. the case nobody has a cell phone in the 90s and well if it's the if it's the late 90s early aughts I mean, I was in high school in the late 90s, early aughts, and I didn't have a cell phone until my senior yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... And these are ti- teeny bitty babies. I mean, not teeny bitty babies, but like, you know, I was I was pegging word at like 15. Jason Funderburker would have a cell phone. Oh, Marcus, and Marcus saw it the other way, that the cassettes were new, mm. Um, mm. which is interesting. I like that read as well. 
I I sort of I get down with that one slightly less just because I assume that maybe they would have had fancier costumes if they were rich enough to have a cassette player when it was new. I'm an egg. Who we knows? all know. I'm overthinking this. We all know you're an egg. <laughs> the uh, like the um, reveal that the, that right. those are Halloween costumes was just so. I was like, ah, of course they are. That's and and like I think Elijah Wood captures that energy of yeah, I'm gonna do it. Oh no, what did I do? Oh no, oh no, so well in the voiceover. It, I it was a true delight for me the first time watching it. Um, like having all of that revealed. Are there any other elements of these episodes that you guys want to touch on or make sure that we get to before we? Reflect back on the series as a whole. Um, I just want to real quick mention that beautiful 1920s, 1930s um, animation dream sequence in Cloud City. It's just so good and ridiculous, and I love it. Um, I remember watching it for the first time and just being delighted by it. And because it was just like, why are we doing this? Those freaky winged cherub heads, which are a mainstay of from that era of animation. Um, and then it's just like, here they are. And it's just like... This is deeply disturbing. I don't care for it. I'm so glad it's here. Um, plus all the Mickey Mousing with the scoring as well, mm-hmm. um, which is like something that is either terrible or great, and it's great here. Um, so I, I just, I really love that whole beautiful sequence and how it ends is also just beautiful and gut-wrenching as well. And oh, dear sweet Greg, after he's in the thrall of the beast and his eyes and he's oh. so cold. Like, um, but just yeah. gotta wait. Just gotta wait. <laughs> Oh my god! No, I can't handle it, Greg. Stop! Run away! <laughs> um, speaking oh, and Mickey Mousing for those who don't know, Noel is oh, Mickey Mousing is when like a score sound effects basically match up to what the act- the actions of the characters on screen. So if you watch like Fantasia, that happens a lot. People either move in rhythm with the song, or very specifically when they move a certain note or sound is played that matches what's happening on the on on screen with this with the sound effect. It's not Foley work, but... So, like, when they run up the stairs, there's a... And they go down the stairs, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Keaton says, I have to dash, but the 1930s animation sequence was amazing. Deborah Voigt is the vocalist, uh, as a vocalist was a true get. I will need to watch this whole series eight more times to process everything, but Wirt's sheets were so precious. Very much so. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Keaton, for sharing your thoughts. If you have anything else that you would like to say... Keenan says, bye friends, thank you for bringing this show into my life to absolutely wreck my heart. Keenan has to go. She has to go vote. So thank you, Keenan, for, for uh, sharing your thoughts about this. And I look forward to any future thoughts you have. I'll make sure I, I'm going to make sure I add uh, Keenan in the, um, in the thread and in the, the Twitter thread so she can hopefully share some more thoughts. But uh, Marcus, I'm going to throw it to you now. Uh, this was not your first time watching Over the Garden Wall. What did you think about uh, watching it this time? I really enjoyed it, uh, watching it again. I had only seen it once before a couple years ago, so there's some specific parts that I had forgotten. I had remembered a bunch of like the main themes and overall direction, and like some certain images, such as the uh, all the pumpkins from uh, uh, Hard Times at the Husky Huskin Bee. Bee, yeah, <laughs> and then some of the, like the shots. Uh, characters like being alone in the uh, forest in the snow at the end just being isolated so it was fun to revisit it Um, I feel like the second episode there is where is the episode that really kind of grabs me just like 
it's like okay this is this is interesting and then the uh last half of the season is really strong and i only just kind of wish that they had a few more episodes and could <laughs> be a bit longer in this world yeah it was supposed to be like 18 episodes originally i think and then they had to cut it to 10 <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know if i could handle eight more episodes though man <laughs> you could if some of them were a little lighter mm-hmm. like some of the first few episodes were not quite as dark as the last few so if you could put them in in the first basically until i think the ringing of the bell you could fit in a lot of episodes mm-hmm. without derailing like the momentum of the season do you have a favorite character and of course very important favorite song would say i kind of have two for each which is beatrice and greg mm-hmm. i think i like beatrice is just like sass and personality and greg is just like so pure and innocent that his literal take on everything is delightful and really brings it brings the whole thing up a bit yeah, and that's a rock fact yeah um, for songs, I think it's just kind of the strangeness of Potatoes and Molasses, just very childlike song. And then I think it might just be called Over the Garden Wall, the song on the frog boat. Mm-hmm. I think those are my two favorite songs. What about the reprise? Oh, potatoes <laughs> at molasses. Like when they do potatoes and molasses, but in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's all it's all great. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on Over the Garden Wall? I assume you recommend it. Yeah, um, I definitely recommend it. Considering I did end up buying the uh, digital copy. Nice. Like, yeah. So I put money down for it. So yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. Nice. Great. Well, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts on it. Um, Allison, it's to you next. So, you know, I hope you've been thinking. What, what are your favorite episodes, characters, songs? Um, I think I'm going to I'm gonna abstain from episode because I just don't know. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. all... It's too fresh. I fell down the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like... It, Ask me to tell an episode from an episode. I'm like, I don't know. It's an armchair. Like, they're just, they're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my favorite character is also Greg. Um, but I love Beatrice. And I felt work really hard. Um, like, I, just, I was like, ooh, it me. <laughs> um, but Greg is just, like, one of those creations where I think every once in a while I'm just going to think about him and smile. And what a gift that is. Um so I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with Greg. Um, for song, again, Marcus and I are going to be in lockstep because I've had Potatoes and Molasses stuck in my head since we watched it. Um, it is an undeniable banger. It's, uh, you know, like, it's up there with toss a coin to your witcher. I just, I can't <laughs> stop. Um, always and forever. It's wonderful. Um, uh, and it's really hard to write a song that catchy. Um Although I don't remember the name of it, but the is it Adelaide Parade the name yeah. of it? Yeah. Okay. Also very catchy and charming. Um 
and I am very much looking forward to just listening to this soundtrack for the next four or five days. Can't wait. Wish I had started listening to it in September, the way that I'm going to start listening to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You on November 1st. Um, <laughs> I just, I wish, I wish that I had had it sooner. Uh, and was there another one or is there, are those the three? Any other, anything else? Any final thoughts? Oh, I just, um, it's such a rare treat for me to discover something that I don't know anything about. I've gotten to do it twice in a row between this and Avatar, right? Like something that for some reason, for whatever reason, it just passed me by. Um, I wasn't at the right moment for it or wasn't ready for it. And, and then it just sort of is perfect and speaks to where you are at any given moment. Those experiences are incredibly special. And so I'm really grateful that I got to have this one. Uh, I don't know that that's great TV criticism, but it, but it no, feels, it it's important TV criticism. It feels really good to have had this experience right now. And as a person who is struggling to maintain my belief, <laughs> which I will, because it's true, because I'm correct. My belief in the power of art as an engine for empathy. Um, it was really nice to watch something with so much empathy that's, can also speak to um, feeling stuck or hopeless or lost. Um, and that allows for the possibility of magic, good and bad uh, in the world. So big thumbs up for me. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, work real hard just every day, all day. <laughs> um, but I do want to give like a very quick shout out to the human form of Beatrice's mom of, what are you going to do? Turn us into bluebirds again? And it's just like, <laughs> Beatrice is never going to live that down for the rest of her life. She might as well just like travel so far away. So no one knows who she is. You see where she gets the that. sass from, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah. Oh no, this is, it was so, re- so much of a relief to be sassy to someone else. <laughs> now I have to start taking it again. Did you guys uh, clock that the dog, her, Beatrice's dog is the dog from the first episode. I did, like, this time around actually realize it, uh, which was just, oh, so sad. Um, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm really partial to the Highwayman song, um, both, like, visually, but I think the song is also really good. But the Beast's songs are just beautiful um, in their horribleness. Plus, they're just terribly well sung, disgustingly well sung, as we've discussed. Um, And I've already mentioned my favorite episodes as we hit them. So Husk and Bee, Mad Love... And then just these last three are just complete ridiculous slap bangers. See, um, when, you, when you realize that like the husk and bee, like, like, aren't you a little early? Isn't because they're skeletons and they're alive and everything eventually dies, but because they are currently in the process of drowning while this is happening. You know, it's like, ah, yeah. Ah. Yeah. It's very good. So yeah, those would be mine. Uh, what about you, Kate? Well, I'm going to second something Marcus says, which is I'm glad Greg was actually voiced by a child. We've been talking about all these different vocal performances, but we haven't talked about Colin Dean, who is the the voice of Greg. And he's he's so good, um, but in a delightful, actually feels like a kid way, not like a trying to sound like a kid or like a very, um, you know, uh, very theater kid kind of mm, I guess artifice to to it that sometimes happens. Uh, it feels very very genuine and uh, is delightful. I, I mean, like 
they're all my precious babies. I like them all. They're all great. I, you know, it's hard for me to pick, um, a favorite episode or a favorite song or a favorite character, but I made y'all do it. So I guess I will go with Greg. Uh, I guess I will go with, um, the Beast's song or, um, uh, Patient is the Night, um, or the, uh, Over the Garden Wall. And like, and again, ending with the frog and the frog, you realize like, you know, he's been, you know, Jason Furnerberger has been singing, you know, doing the narration and singing through it is, is, is absolutely lovely. Um, yeah, I, I just, I really adore this series and uh, mini series, I should say. And, oh, I haven't picked an episode. Uh, for like, like these, I mean, I think they're all really good. Um, the, the, for the way that it hits and pivots the season, I guess I'll go into the unknown, but it's probably not actually my favorite individual episode. You know Allison, what I mean? Come on, get in there, get in there, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> You don't understand how hard I'm resisting. Um, I would, yep. It would break. Here's the thing. It would break the mic. I just can't. Um, I am out of practice. I can no longer belt without actually belting. And it it would break the microphone. So just like go listen to Adina after this and pretend it was me. <laughs> only, only I might sound like maybe a little bit fuller anyway. Oh, 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 baby tree. I love it. I love I it. I love her. I love her. I really do. But. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, no. a baby tree. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll continue off mic. Um, but uh, for now, we'll wrap up uh, Over the Garden Wall. Um, so glad that you enjoyed it, Allison and Keenan as well. Thank you, Marcus and Keenan, for joining us today in the Zoom. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And tomorrow, we're going to be back to talk about Murder, She Wrote, Murder on the Bus. Oh, no, Murder you... Takes the Bus. Murder Takes the Bus. Do I get to say, welcome back to Streaming in Place? Tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, great. What a thrill. Uh, I know that you both have probably seen this episode, so I don't actually get to have the nice little jolt of being the person who's seen it before when you haven't. I I don't remember it, if that helps. Good. Good. Uh, It's season one. Season one. It's either episode 18 or 19, depending on if you count the pilot as episode zero or episode one. So depending on how it's numbered, it'll be 18 or 19 in in, uh, season one. Yeah. So, listeners, Marcus has asked, what season is it in? That's the context there. But yes, we will talk about that just in time for Halloween uh, tomorrow on the podcast. So, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. 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 Bye.